Good afternoon to everybody. Welcome to the Bible Quest Wednesday edition. We're glad that you're here today, and I'm hopeful that those on Jeff's page are also able to see this as well. Um, but we're Jeff is out of town today. Joe is out as well. And so uh, maybe against their better judgment, they left me in charge today. So we're going to try something new. Uh, today is going to be the first of what might be a series of podcasts, and it's going to be focused around uh, how the young can secure their hearts. Uh, and particularly, uh, it'll be a podcast where we discuss current issues for younger Christians and for the things that they might be struggling with as they're in the universities and they're in college or maybe just in the workplace as a young Christian. Uh, so joining me today is Jonathan Sadler. Uh, you guys might recognize him from the Tuesday edition. Uh, Jonathan, how are you doing today? Hey, Chase. I'm doing well. Good. And we also have joining us uh, Jonathan Biesecker, uh from, you're living down in Florida now currently, right, John? That's right. I'm currently in Jacksonville, uh, just south of Jacksonville right now. Okay, very good. And so uh, we'll try to keep the name straight. We got two Jonathans on today, but uh, Jonathan Biesecker, I think we'll just try and call him John. And then Jonathan Sather, we'll call him Jonathan, just to try and keep ourselves straight. <laughs> so uh, guys, I'm glad you're on today. I'm looking forward to this podcast. Uh, all three of us have been to university. We've been to college at different times in our life. Uh, mine wasn't that long ago. Uh, and I know Jonathan, uh, both of these guys, it wasn't that long ago either. I was just in college. Um, now three years ago. And so we're both born, or all three of us have been born in the 90s. Uh, so I'm 23, Jonathan Sather's 24, and JB, you're 25, right? Uh, no, just turned 27, actually, a couple of you're years. You're 27. Yeah, okay, I'm very old. good. So we, we all came up through the technology age, uh, went into college around the, the same time. And so there are some issues we want to talk about with everybody. Uh, so hopefully in today's podcast, we'll get to talk about sexual purity. Hopefully we'll get to talk about navigating through LGBTQ things uh, in the university. And then also we're going to talk about uh, finding our role in our local church as a college student. So hopefully those are all things we'll get to tackle today. But guys, as I mentioned earlier, there's a passage that comes to mind when we consider some of these things. In Psalm 119, Psalm 119 in verse 9, the Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. The psalmist in this section of Psalm 119, which happens to be the biggest psalm that we have, is opening it up by asking, what can a young man do to keep his way pure? What can he do to keep his heart dedicated to God? And he gives off a list of some things that a young man and a young woman ought to be doing to make sure that that happens. In that list, guys, what are some of the things that stand out to you? Well, first, just the whole psalm, Psalm 119. I mean, it's it's massive, but the purpose of it, um, it's actually it's actually really beautiful. I'm I'm not an extremely poetic person, but uh, I've learned a little bit about Hebrew poetry 
uh, and this is an acrostic psalm um, split up into the different sections from the Hebrew alphabet. Um, and so each of the sections uh, in, in Bibles will be uh, listed by the Hebrew letter. So the first one starting in verse one is Aleph, the second one is Beth, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, and those are the Hebrew letters. So this author, what he's trying to do is to illustrate with every letter available in his language to express how valuable God's word is. Um, and he does that in a lot of different ways throughout Psalm, one, Psalm 119. So this is the second stanza in that Psalm. Um, and, and he zeroes in on, on young people. How can a young person keep his way pure? Well, follows the theme of the Psalm by saturating himself in God's word, by understanding God's commandments. Um, and so the, the very next verse after that in verse 10, seeking with the whole heart, seeking God uh, and not wandering from his commandments. Um, so, Yeah. And so what and this is why we wanted to start here. Everything we're going to discuss today, Lord willing, is going to the, the answer to some of those problems is going to be what we're reading right here in Psalm 119, is that when we go into college, when we go to university, we have made it up in our mind that we are going to keep our way pure. We are going to stay dedicated to learning God's word. Uh, and part of that's going to be finding a local church that you can join with and work with and be active with. Uh, it's going to be maintaining your sexual purity, but also teaching others about Christ without compromising your values and compromising what you believe. But all of that is going to necessitate that we dwell in God's word, that we don't wander from his commandments, like it says in verse 10 but we seek him with our heart, seek his word, seek his statutes and keep them as best as we can. So if there are any college students listening either now or later, if they download the podcast, that's absolutely right. You need to have a steady diet of God's word in your life. Other thoughts on this guys. uh, Let me also just plug in really quick. I think you mentioned um, that we're kind of feeling through maybe a potential uh, short series of of um of podcast along this line of of issues that young people will face um and so throughout this if you have any questions while we're going through any of the things that we're talking about um, you can submit those uh either on zoom or on facebook and we'll we'll try to address those uh, during this podcast but also if you have any other topics or things um that would interest you or you think would be helpful um submit those to us at biblequest.tv or or uh right now and and maybe uh in coming weeks we'll be able to talk about those yeah, thank you, Jonathan. But yeah, to, to get back to your question, um, one of the things that really has hit me in, in looking through Psalm 119 is how a lot of it, it, it's something we need to be doing before we face certain situations. So starting early, starting now, you know, even before, uh, if, if you're in high school or middle school and you're thinking about going to college, um, start thinking through how am I going to act when I, uh, you know, join a new new congregation. Maybe you've grown up going to a particular church. That's going to be a big change. Try to think that through. But then, you know, it talks about in Psalm 119 uh, verse, I'm sorry, I just lost it. Oh yeah, verse 11 talks about, I've stored up your word in my heart. And like you talked about, you know, don't wait till you're in college to start trying to see what God has to say to you. Start that right now today. Yeah. You, know, you haven't already been doing that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, all great points. Uh, Jonathan, you look like you had something to say. Sad. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and turn over to Jonathan. Jonathan's going to take us through uh, something that all three of us have experienced and, and had to overcome and fight through as we were going to university. 
Um, Jonathan, why don't you take it from here and introduce what you want to talk about? Yeah. So, um, so this isn't just, this isn't just a problem that young people face in college. And we want to make that really clear. Um, young people not in college face this old people face. This, this is a huge topic, uh, in the Bible. Um, but as it relates to, to college, what we're talking about now, um, remaining pure, uh, with sexual purity. Um, is an extremely important thing for any phase of life, but particularly, I think, difficult for young people in college. And so I think it's interesting just to kind of kick us off. Uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians, there are two times in 1 Thessalonians in that letter that the phrase, um, this is the will of God for you, appears in 1 Thessalonians. Are you guys familiar with, with either of those? Yeah, so if, you're, if I'm not mistaken, you're thinking of 1 Thessalonians 4, where number one, God's will for them is their sexual purity. And then in chapter five, he's going to say his will for them is to not, uh, not cease in giving thanks to God in prayer. Yeah. 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 So, so the one in chapter five starts really kind of in verse 16, um, rejoice always pray without ceasing, without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So thankfulness, rejoicing, prayer, um, being devoted to God, that's, that's God's will for you. But back in chapter four, that first one that Chase said, it picks up in uh, in verse three. Um, when you guys want to read First Thessalonians four, uh, verse three through eight. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that no man transgression defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very cut and dry, very clear here. God's will for you is to be holy. And what that includes is sexual purity. Um, to flee from sexual immorality, to get a, that out of your life. And it zeroes in specifically on one um, sexual sin with adultery here, but this applies to all sexual sins. And, and I just want to ask the question, um, with, with God's will, it says God's will is for you to do that. Um, in my understanding, how God's will works, um, well, let me ask this question. Why would it be beneficial for us to listen to God's will and to want to live our lives according to God's will. Well, if he created us, I think it's safe to bet that he knows what's best for us. Right. Um, Lord willing, uh, in December, I'm going to have a little daughter. I'm going to have a little girl. Rebecca gives birth in December. And for really a good majority of her life, I'm going to be looking out for her. And because I am her father, I, you know, God ultimately created her, but because me and my wife created this being, we know what's best for her and we want what's best for her. So of mm-hmm. course, God being the creator, and I think this is the point Jay Sad's making, he wants what's best for us and he's told us what's best. And uh, I, I love that Jonathan pointed this out in First Thessalonians 4 and 5. I love passages where Paul just will come out and say, this is God's will for you. you know, there are certain things we have to kind of decipher through and say, well, what's God's will for me in this situation? Or what's God's will for me over here? But then there's passages like this where it's like, well, this is hard to dispute. God wants yeah. me to be pure. That's his will. And he wants yeah. me to be praying about it. Yeah. And so, so just to put a Bible verse with, with that point that God made us so he knows what's going on. Uh, in, in Isaiah 46, um, in, in the latter part of verse 9 and into verse 10, 
God is speaking. He says, I am God. There's no other like me. I am God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. And so in, in Isaiah 46, God is making the point, which is similar to the conversation you would have with Job at the end of the book of Job. God understands things and he knows where things are going to end up, where things are going to begin uh, and, and those types of things. And particularly with sexual purity, um, it's so important to listen to God's will in that because a lot of times, especially for young people, you don't realize where your actions are taking you. And so briefly, I just want to kind of go into Proverbs 6 and 7, um, where Solomon is talking to uh, his son and explaining wisdom, explaining the value of wisdom. Uh, and, and he spends a significant amount of time talking about guarding against sexual immorality. Um, and so in, in the beginning, um, when he starts this conversation in Proverbs 6, uh, in verse uh, 27, he says, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? And so the, the obvious answer is no. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're holding fire on your chest, the nature of fire is it's going to burn you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this, and, and it's a funny picture that Solomon is trying to paint for us. Like imagine just walking up to a fire and just giving it a big old bear hug. You know, <laughs> it'd be foolish. It'd be dumb. And uh, yeah. as you're about to point out, that he's saying when you play with sexual purity and flirt with it, that's what's going to happen. You're going to get burned. Yeah, so he specifically says in the next verse, in verse 29, so is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. And, uh, and he ends that chapter um, talking about, uh, in verse 33, um, the one who has done this, he will get wounds and dishonor. Uh, his disgrace will not be wiped away. Jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare him when he takes revenge. So if you commit adultery with someone's wife, it, you've hurt yourself you've hurt the woman, you've broken the relationship with the man who is now furious and angry with you. Uh, it just destroys relationships and this kind of thing. And how um, he spends the next chapter in chapter seven describing the process of, of what happens leading up to that. And this, this seductress woman um, in verse, uh, in verse uh, 10 um, or in verse five, it says the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words and, and starting in verse 10 describes the conversation that she has. And I want to read that here in just a second. But in verse 21, it switches back to the one that's being seduced by this sexual impurity. And here's where this guy is at. In verse 21 of Proverbs 7, with much seductive speech, she persuades him and her smooth talk compels him. And all at once he follows her. How? as an ox going to the slaughter or a stag caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver or as a bird rushes into a snare and he does not know that it will cost him his life. And, and so I, I think it's easy for young people. Uh, I think generally still in our society, um, at least for, at least for young Christians, we know, yeah, I need to not have sex before I'm married. Fornication is definitely wrong, but there are all kinds of other different levels of, of sexual impurity that young Christians get caught up in, um, particularly in college, that if you're not careful, you don't realize that's costing you your life. Um, Chase, you were going to say something. Yeah, well, you back up even to Proverbs 5 and verse 15, where he'll say, drink, from your, drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. He's not given a principle for just every day getting some water. The point he's making is if you have your wife, Drink from your own cistern. Don't go drink out of your neighbor's cistern. You've got your own. And so yeah. clearly, even in Proverbs, 
sex before marriage is condemned. The, the only place that you are allowed to have sex or sexual intimacy or any type of sexual pleasure is in marriage. Uh, Hebrews 13, 4, the marriage bed is undefiled. That's where that is supposed to take place. Yeah. And so to compromise on that would be sin. And yet the world is trying to promote that idea. When you go to college, you sow your wild oats and you get there and that's what everybody's wanting to do. It can be really tempting to also want to participate in that. And I like what Jonathan's pointing out in Proverbs 7 too. I'll say this guys, and then I'll hush. It says in verse, uh, in chapter seven, in verse seven, uh, whenever he's looking at this naive, I'm sure there's a translation out there that says when he was looking at an idiot, but this idiot, he's, he's discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense. And he passes through the street near her corner. He takes the way to her house. And in the twilight and in the evening and in the middle of the night and in the darkness. And then in verse 10, behold, the woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning a heart. It's almost like he gets there and he's like, oh, I didn't expect to see you there. Well, of course, he, he set himself up for failure. He's lurking near her corner. And there are so many ways we can apply this. When we're, putting our, when we're going to the parties, you know, I'm not going to drink. I'm not, I'm not going to go to drink. Uh, well, guess what you're doing? You're lurking near her corner. Mm-hmm. Or when you're going to study with a girl and you're just mm-hmm. the two of you in a dorm by yourselves, you're getting that fire also awful close to your bosom. You're walking near her corner. You know what you look like when we do that? We look like this idiot in verse seven. We look mm-hmm. like this, this naive young man lacking sense. And the proverb writer is saying, steer clear of that. Yeah. 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 And, and there are, there are so many consequences that come from that, but we're not just talking about fornication, um, having sex outside of marriage before marriage or just adultery. Um, what are, what are some of the other, um, sexual sins, um, that young people, I think in particular need to watch out for? I think the big one staring us in the face is pornography. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's huge. Now, um, interestingly enough, um, pornography is never explicitly mentioned in the Bible. Does that mean we shouldn't watch out for it or? Yeah. And it's actually interesting. So in Greek, the the word that we have for fornication or sexual immorality is actually Mm -hmm. porneia. That's what the Greek word is. And it's eventually where we get our word for pornography, but Jonathan's right. Pornography itself, watching video or picture of someone having sex or, or, or you, you know what we're talking about. It's not, explicitly condemned in the bible yeah yeah but the idea is something in matthew chapter 5 uh, in matthew chapter 5 where jesus addresses uh in the sermon on the mount um having this lustful eye in verse 27 he says you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery so you know that you're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage you're not supposed to sleep with your friend's uh wife you're supposed to uh you know keep yourself under control in that way But then Jesus says in verse 28, I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Uh, And so he's he's really clear. And and it reminds me of of Job and the covenant that Job would make in Job chapter 31, verse one. It says, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look on a woman. Um, And and the point there is I'm not even going to tempt myself. I'm not going to put myself in a situation um, where I could fall into sexual immorality. Um, and, and so uh, you think about that in, uh, in college, which Chase kind of dipped in on. 
um, you're not going to be alone with a girl in, in her dorm room. You're not going to be uh, at a party where those types of things are, are prone to happen. Um, you're not going to surround yourself with any opportunities. Uh, in Romans chapter 13, Paul says, make no provision for the flesh. Um, you, you don't feed and nourish this, this uh, action that could potentially happen. Um, and, and it's just so important um, to do that. You know, rarely, um, a lot of times when I've talked with guys who, uh, who are addicted to pornography um, or who have uh, had sex outside of marriage or have been engaged in some other kind of sexual impurity, the initial thought is there's this kind of victimization of, of, oh man, like, uh, like, you know, I can't believe that I did that. Um, uh, I can't believe that I've fallen so far deep into this. Like, I, like, uh, you know, I never intended for this to happen. Well, the way to get around that is to plan beforehand to not make provisions for it so that you have a plan to stay away whenever the temptations arise. Um, rarely, if ever, do sexual sins just kind of happen out of nowhere. Um, there's usually some buildup and some things that line up that, that allow those types of sins to happen. So it's so important for young people to think about this before and, and set up barriers. Um, and, and like Jesus would say in Mark chapter 9, um, whenever he's describing the seriousness of sin, he says, if your right hand causes you to, to stumble, what do you do? Cut it off. Cut it off. If your right foot causes you to stumble, what do you do? Cut, Cut it off. If your right eye causes you to stumble, what do you do? You, you tear it out. Uh, you get rid of it. Um, and now, is it possible to live your life without a right hand? Absolutely. Yeah, or without a right foot, or or, yep. or without People a right do eye. All the time. Yeah, sure. it's possible to do that. I'm actually, I'm actually. Um, some of y'all may not know, but I'm actually, I guess, technically legally blind in my left eye. So I've lived pretty much my whole life with just one eye. I get along fine. Is it a little inconvenient sometimes? Yeah. yeah your, your basketball um, jumper is not that good. Yeah, I have, I have <laughs> bad depth perception, but um, but I, I make it. Um, life is still livable without those things. And I think that's the point that Jesus is making. Is it painful to lose an eye or to lose a hand? Sure. But can you still live life without it? Yeah. So the practical application for that when it comes to sexual purity, um, if you're struggling with pornography, get rid of your access to pornography. Get rid of your laptop. Get rid of your phone. Um, don't be alone uh, in your room at, during certain times of the day when you know no one's going to be there. Um, make those, those drastic changes, even if they're painful, because you can still live life without a phone. <laughs> you can still live life without internet. Um, or maybe even go so far if it's not pornography or some other type of sexual sin that you've been involved with. Maybe you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend um, that's pushing it too far. Um, in that relationship, if that's what it takes, could that be painful? Could that be awkward? Yeah, absolutely. Is it worth it? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's abundantly clear um, the ultimate consequence of engaging in sexual immorality or impurity in Revelation 21 um, is where you're going to end up because of that. You're going to end up in the lake of fire where, where yeah. um, there's eternal torment for that. Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew 5 and in, in, in that section in 27 to 30, it's better for you to cut those things off than what? Than your whole body to go where? Into hell. hell. Mm -hmm. Into hell. Yeah. So let, let that not be mistaken. Um, right. That That's what's at stake here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, well, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so, so quickly, I mean, we need, to not, we need to not cut corners with sexual impurity uh, and say, yeah, I know, that, I know that actually having sex is condemned, but there are so many other ways. Messing around with your boyfriend or girlfriend, 
Galatians chapter five makes it pretty clear when it's listing the the sins of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. One of them that's included in there is sensuality, um, lasciviousness as well. Yeah, 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 yeah lasciviousness. Um, so sitting in the back of your car, making out with your boyfriend or girlfriend, that's not good for a Christian to do and to engage in. Um, you're not supposed to be doing those types of things. Um, and so to to overcome, because I'm going pretty long and we want to get to some other topics. Uh, here, but but overcoming sexual temptations, overcoming sexual sins. What are some practical things that you guys can think of for for young people in college to to do um, to overcome these types of things? Well, I think it goes back to Psalm one nineteen. What we were talking about there is saturating yourself in God's word and and the things that He requires of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually might be a good segue into uh, Jonathan's portion. I know we were planning to do that later, but I think we should turn it over to Jonathan. Secker, um, yeah, with some of this, yeah, okay. Um, I will just say real quick, real quickly on what we've been talking about. Um, and, and Sadler, you already talked about it, like with Job, is is making that covenant with ourselves beforehand, you know, being preemptive instead of reactive because situations will come that we have to react, and sometimes if, if we get caught in that, we're really it's really easy to make the wrong decision. If we haven't thought through ahead of time, not use Joseph as an example. I'm pretty sure he knew ahead of time what was going to happen. And he knew, you know, if she tries something, I'm out of here, you know, and, and he did. You see him just react and he, he does the right thing. Okay. So to segue a little bit, um, one, one of the things we were talking about as far as the struggles that young Christians can have, particularly in the, college years, you know, older high school, college, young 20s, is fitting, we talk about fitting in a lot, you know, fitting in with our our peers, fitting in with our schoolmates, but one of the things I don't think we talk about very much is fitting in with our local congregation. What's our place there? What can we, um, what use are we? What's our job? What's our role? And I think a lot of times, well, let's just start here by saying that this is a hard time for a young person. You know, you if you've grown up going to church, you know, you're, you're following your parents or other uh, mentors. And so it's not really on you. You're, you're just doing what you're told. And, and that's right that you should. If you're just, if you know, if you become a Christian as a young adult, this is all brand new to you. And and it's a new life that you have to try to figure out. So it's very difficult. So let's acknowledge that right off the bat. But I think some of the mistakes I've caught myself doing, I've seen other people do, is we, we do one of three things. And you guys might have others that you want to um, throw in. Please do. One of the first things that I see a lot of young people doing is we're just kind of irritated and angry when we're dealing with our local congregations. And I think one of the main reasons I've seen in myself is because we have ideas of things that would be good to do. Maybe it has to do with like the order of a worship service or having a a Sunday night service, different things or different classes. And, you know, we think it's our idea. We think it's a good idea, but what do we do when, the older people in the congregation, the preacher, the elders, if you know, you're blessed to have those, they might 
disagree with us. They might say no. What, so what's really common for us to do? What, what do you guys think? Well, I think we grew up, uh, or some, some did, in a very non-confrontational type mentality, uh, type household sometimes, especially with the social media era that we grew up in. When we have a disagreement with somebody, we'll go head to head with them online behind a computer screen. Mm-hmm. But in terms of when we are actually having a face-to-face interaction or confrontation, sometimes we're likely to just shut down and run away from the problem. And so in, in the scenario you're describing, uh, a young man or a young woman that grew up going to church at the same place for, for 18 years of their life, they show up at the new place, they got a lot of zeal, they want to do a lot of good, and they're getting shut down. Sometimes the mentality would be, well, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. I'm just going to go somewhere else. Right, right. Or, or stop going altogether. And, and I think people do that um, a lot, uh, especially, like you said, sometimes stop going. Look at First Timothy 4. This really came to mind when I was thinking about this beforehand. And, and I think as young people, we really like this passage. Um, let me correct that. We like the first part of this passage. Uh, somebody read First Timothy 4 and verse 12 through, uh, I don't know, about 15 or so. It says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Yeah. That was something I thought of is that, you know, we, we want to say, you know, older people should not look down on me because I'm young. Um, we often forget about the stupid things we've done as a young person. Let's face it, we all have. But what Paul's saying to Timothy is set yourself as an example. You know, be busy. Uh, be engaged in the group there. Look for ways to serve um, and go for those public roles. I think a lot of things, and, and we talked about it earlier, you know, the, the three of us, that there's this feeling towards the millennial generation. And I think technically all three of us are still millennials. I don't know where the cutoff is for that. Um, but I think I'm technically a little bit millennial and a little bit generation Z. Okay. So the baby of the group, there you go. Um, but that, that we're kind of lazy, self-entitled you know, fill in the the blanks as far as how people feel about us. And I think sometimes, again, like we talked about, there's a reason why that stigma is there. Um, We sometimes tend to just exist in our churches. You know, we show up for assemblies. We sing, maybe. um, And then when the service is over, we go home. But we don't ever really do anything. It, it's kind of like if, if you've seen the movie Top Gun, you know, he, he's scared, he's flying, and they're, they're in a, a dogfight, and his, the guy, I forget what he's called, the, is riding the back of the plane and says, you know, engage, Maverick, engage. That's what we have to do is we have to engage. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy. He says, you know, devote yourself to public reading, among other things. Um, and, and I think that's difficult for, for us, especially for us young younger guys, it's hard. You know, you are going to make mistakes. We have all probably had sermons or Bible studies that we look back and it's like, wow, that was horrible. (laughs) You know, that just didn't go well. I certainly have. 
And so that's one thing for us to do is just jump in. You know, it's hard, especially if you're in a new group. I know going to college was the first time I'd ever been a member of a congregation that was not called Gettysburg Church of Christ. And that was really hard because you just have to say, look, here's what I can do. Here's what I have done. What can I do? Ask the questions of the older people. And if, you know, if older people are listening, give young people chances, even when they mess, mess up and they make mistakes, keep giving them chances to serve and to work and to lead. And I think that will bridge the gap between the, the age groups. Yeah. And just uh, a couple of things. Um, well, one, if, if, if you're a young person and you haven't even thought um, about when you go to college, where you're going to go to church, um, we probably need to back up and start there. Yeah, um, sure. the, the decision to, to find a local group of Christians that you can worship with and that can encourage you and help you uh, is, is so important, especially for, for a young you know, uh, man or, or woman to find someone like that. Um, one of the purposes of, of the church in Hebrews chapter 10 um, in, uh, in verse 23, it says, let us hold fast their confession and our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as the day is drawing near. In that next section, um, he, he mentions the, the one who is sinning deliberately and the judgment that's coming for that person. For a young person in college, when you're being beaten by all of these different um, evolutionary uh, standpoints or the low moral level of your fellow uh, college students or, and all these different temptations and hardships, and it can be emotionally draining, mentally draining, and spiritually draining. If you're not meeting with a local group of Christians, uh, how are you going to be encouraged to make it through that? I mean, you can. Um, Paul, Paul describes in Philippians chapter four um, that, that he's, he's learned the secret to, to making it through whatever life situation that he's in. Um, whether he's poor, whether he's wealthy, whether he has in need or hungry or whatever, that, that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. But why would you want to as a young person? Well, there are so many people in the country uh, that, that want to help and want to encourage. It's so important to be involved in a church. But I think on the flip side of that, I'll just say this really quickly. Um, in First Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes the, the body of Christ and how the body works. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to read this and then make a point that's, that's opposite from the context, but uh, I think it still fits. In 1 Corinthians 12 and, and verse 12, he says, Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body are members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. And then he goes on to say that each body part has its own role. And how can the hand say to the foot, you know, I don't need you. Uh, you have no part in the body. Um, but that verse in verse 13, where it says, all of us who were baptized were put into this one body. And he's, he relates that to Jews and Greeks, which was important for the Corinthians. But I think we could also equally say, all of us who have been baptized into Christ are part of the body, whether you're old or young. Yeah. Um, we're, we're all a part of the body. And each part of the body has its specific roles. And it can be a temptation for young people, I think, to think, well, I'm not really needed. And you start getting into the mentality like you were talking about, Jonathan, of just kind of showing up, not really being involved, uh, not, you know, um, participating in classes, not participating in uh, service and things that are happening in the group. 
Um, and uh, that can be detrimental to the whole body, um, but especially to you, uh, if, if you're not being engaged in those kinds of types of things. I, I just want to say, too, we do have biblical precedent for being part of a local body. Um, we see Paul in Acts 9, he goes from being a persecutor of the church to being persecuted. When he eventually gets to Jerusalem in Acts 9, 26, it says, when Paul came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. Uh, some translations say he was trying to join with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. And then there's the whole Barnabas vouching for him for what he had been through and yada, yada, yada. But that's not the point I want to make. The point I want to make is Paul was trying to join with some local group. Of Did we lose Chase? Yeah, it looks like he froze up. Well, I think the point that he was going to make is that he was trying to join with a local group of Christians. Yeah, Chase I'm back. back. Sorry about that. How far oh, did you go? How, how far did you go for me? Uh, just that Paul was trying to associate with a local group of Christians. Yeah, and, and so the point I'm simply trying to make is that that we have biblical precedent for it, but it's more than just showing up for worship service. Uh, it, it's more than just. Um, showing up at Bible class or coming on Wednesday nights or whatever have you, it's working with them. And that's exactly what Paul does. And if you stop at anything less than that, you're not, I would submit, doing everything God would want you to do. Uh, now, things are going to get busy in life, and uh, but we need to be involved with our brethren. There was a huge emphasis on that in the book of Acts. And so, and also something uh, Jay said, said earlier, why would you go to college somewhere that doesn't have a local church? Mm-hmm. Plenty of opportunities, uh, plenty of churches that are in an area where there's a public university. Why would we choose to go somewhere where there's not a local church? I think we need to think through that. Yeah, and and relating to that, and we talked a little bit about this uh, in our in our pre meeting, um, but it's fascinating to me how God has has made life work. Um, and what I mean by that is the oldest and the wisest and the most experienced generally don't have to make decisions that are affecting their whole life <laughs> kinds of things. But the youngest, the least experienced, maybe, maybe the less wise are the ones that make those decisions. So for the young Christian in college, um, you're making plans on what your career is going to be. That has lifelong implications on what you're going to do the rest of your life. Um, you're making decisions on, on who or if you're going to marry. Um, which is a lifelong commitment, lifelong decisions there. Um, young people, um, they're the ones that God has picked to raise children. It's not generally older people or people in their 70s or 80s that raise children. It's people that are in their 20s or 30s that generally raise children and just how that works. And so that, that should really speak to the young person that it's, it's very important to think about and consider how you're going to live your life and, and the future and what decisions that you're making now, how that's going to affect you later on. And so um, I was listening to a podcast not too long ago that was discussing the idea of having priorities. And really when you think about that, the, the word priorities is, it's kind of a conundrum. It doesn't, it shouldn't be a word. It shouldn't make sense. Priority makes sense 
but having priorities is contrary to its definition of the word. Uh, a priority is the most important thing to you. You can't have multiple most important things to you. Um, it doesn't work that way. You can't have more than one priority. And so as young people, we need to decide um, what is our priority in life? And everything else will kind of stem from that. Um, if your priority is serving and following God, then where you go to college needs to reflect that. What you choose to do in your life needs to reflect that. Who you marry needs to reflect that. It all fall, flows down from your single most important priority. Yeah. One of the other things I was really thinking about, we kind of touched on, is Ecclesiastes chapter four. Um, you know, in, in Ecclesiastes, he talks about a lot of the things we're wanting when we're picking a school, when we're picking a spouse, when we're picking where to live, what job to have. And really what he's noticing is that it, this, this is all vanity. You know, really at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, where we went to school isn't going to matter. You know, your hope of heaven is not dependent on your degree. Uh, but he does point out, the writer points out in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9, that two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. And then skipping down, um, well, if, in verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Um, and then it really hit me in verse 11. Again, uh, excuse me, verse 12. I don't know why I got the fine print. Verse 12, though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And hit me that it's not one person trying to prevail or attack us. Um, it's, it's the world. It's society um, that is, is, is going to attack us hard. And that's definitely true if you go to most public universities or even most private universities, they're going to attack you. And if you don't have that support system outside of that, don't be surprised when it brings you down. Yeah. And, and so maybe that'll be good to, to bring that in. Um, and, and maybe we're getting kind of close to the wrap up time, but in, in first Peter chapter four, Peter talks about that. Uh, and maybe this would be a good kind of closing point to, to end this week on. And in first Peter four in verse three, Peter says, for the time is past, that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. And he lists some of the things we've been talking about, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Time's past to do all those things. And then he says this in verse four, with respect to this, they being the world, being the worldly people that are engaging in these things, they are surprised when you do not join with them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. And then he says, but they will give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. This is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. And he says in verse 12, continuing this idea, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised when people look at decisions that you're making as a young Christian in college and they malign you and they make fun of you. And maybe they, they persecute you in some way or, or, or mistreat you. Or don't be surprised when that happens. It's going to happen. But I like what Peter says in verse 13. He says, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. 
because of the spirit of glory and of, and of God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or a meddler. Um, and so I think that really kind of just encapsulates the idea that we're talking about. Don't be surprised when these things don't work out um, for you socially or you're not the coolest person in school or, or everyone is, is, is maligning you and you're not fitting in with the crowd. Don't be surprised when that happens. But be glad that you're sharing in Christ's suffering and whenever time ends and his glory is revealed, you're going to be standing on the right side. Um, and all of that. And so, so if you suffer, which I, I think it's pretty clear and we're not trying to cut corners, uh, Christians in the college setting, um, you're going to suffer. Um, but don't suffer because you're engaging in sinful activity um, or, or you're not being involved with a local congregation or you're not getting the encouragement that you need or anything else that a young Christian has to face. Don't suffer for those reasons. Uh, suffer because you're following Christ because you've made him your priority and you're going to stand up against whatever is going to come against you, whether that's what we've talked about today um, or any other issues that will come up, which hopefully in, in the coming weeks we'll get to talk specifically about some more um, things that young people deal with. Yeah. Very well put. Well, guys, that's our time. Uh, thank you to both of the Jonathans who are also, it looks like we're in the same colored shirts. Thanks for hopping on today. I uh, appreciate you guys coming on. And uh, God willing, we'll talk to everyone and see everyone next week. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.